the service of prayer and preaching for the fifth Sunday after Easter, July 4th, 2021. The first hymn is LSB 856, O Christ Who Called the Twelve. strength and song 
the crucified and risen King, to whom the saints belong. Through generations past, our tribute still we bring, our hymns a sacrifice of praise, our lives an offering. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glory be to the Father, Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. A reading from 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Yehu the son of Nimshi you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Maholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Yahu put to death. The one who escapes from the sword of Yahu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The introit is verses from Psalm 27. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. O you who have been my help, forsake me not, O God, of my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. O you who have been my help, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. A reading from First Peter, the third and fourth chapters. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. 
for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And a reading from Luke, the fifth chapter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continue with the common responsory on page 263. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house 
and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. We continue with the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. July 4th is a funny day, and it really is a matter of perspective. In America, we wave flags, join in parades, and set off fireworks celebrating independence as a nation. It is a day in which we highlight the separating of these United States from the rest of the world. The colonies were not just another part of the European expansion, they were distinct. In Europe, it is a day that could just as easily be forgotten, or even in sneers you maybe wish to have a happy Trader's Day. Then in other parts of the world, this day is just another ordinary day. For many, this day is about remembering. No matter how often we're told that July 4th is different than Memorial Day and Veterans Day, we still think of those who gave their lives and thank those who have served in our armed forces. This is a day which holds significance for an entire nation because something important happened on this day in our history. It was not an easy transition. It was painful. There was much violence and bloodshed. It is important history that should not be torn down or covered. It is important to learn and pass on for many future generations. How much more important it is to recall in the church this day the words from Luke 5. On that day, the disciples were part of an important event. Of all the stories shared by the apostles, the first generals, if you will, of the church militant commissioned by Jesus, you can bet this one was shared quite a bit. The account of Peter's call to be a disciple 
in the context of the miraculous catch of fish, illustrates some things about the church militant that are often overlooked. The church militant is a net that is separating Christians from the world. It is violent and painful. Baptism kills. You cannot serve two masters. So also life inside the net, in the church, is often violent and painful. We come up scratching and kicking. The church militant fights not only against the world from which it is sundered, it also fights among itself. That doesn't mean that we are to cover up God's word in shame and contempt, in lame and weak attempts to cover our own sin and shame. Instead, we must always read it in its truth and purity. We are to hand it down so that our children and theirs may know and enjoy the freedom given through God's Holy Son in His Word and sacraments. His Holy Law exposes our sin, and apart from our own reason or strength, the Lord Himself joins us in the net and takes our abuse and our punishment in order to rescue us from death. The culture has driven us away from talking in these terms, and many get uncomfortable when we speak in terms of the church militant. To be sure, there are places in Holy Scripture where life in the church is described in more serene, blissful, and pleasant ways. Christians are holy people who love one another and live together in harmony and peace without strife or jealousy or betrayal and failure. The righteous are rewarded and the wicked are crushed. We glimpse something of that life from time to time. In those mountaintop experiences, we are filled with joy and peace. We revel in God's bodily presence for us in the sacrament of his body and blood. In the goodness of his absolution, which drives off our guilt and shame and proclaims God's acceptance of us despite our sins, counting us as righteous for his sake. We rejoice that we belong to God and to one another, and sometimes we even like one another. But if that is all we see in Scripture, we are not reading closely. The church is also typified as the beggar, Lazarus, covered with swords and starving, as David losing his child after his affair with Bathsheba, and as Joseph in prison hated by his brothers. All parents with more than one child know that brothers and sisters fight, sometimes vehemently and brutally. So also the church is conformed to Christ her Lord, who through, though innocent, laid down his life not only for his friends, but also for his enemies, in obedience to his Father. The good life, as depicted in many places in Scripture, is largely hidden from us. Sometimes that is because it is covered in suffering, like Christ on the cross. And sometimes it is because we don't want to be broken and separated from our sin, and are afraid that we will miss out. Don't ask God to depart so that you can sin. The wicked aren't really prospering, even if it seems that they are. It is a delusion. The net feels constraining and suffocating, like a life jacket on the top side of a boat with the sun beating down. But it is absolutely necessary when you're tossed overboard. Thanks be to God that he does not heed our cry to depart, any more than he heeded Peter. Nor does he conform the church to our image and fantasies, but to his own. He is faithful and steadfast where we are unfaithful and impetuous. He pulls us to safety against our will, and even if it is gentle, like toddlers throwing temper tantrums, it feels to us like murder. What we cannot and would never do by our own reason or strength or choice, God does by his gospel. He makes us his. 
He claims us. He comes and gets us. He who has made atonement for us, paid the ransom for our sins in his own body, declares us righteous and puts his name upon us. He doesn't simply draw us out of the Nile to spare us from Pharaoh's wrath, but he takes our place. He is in the net with us even now, here in the church, among sinners, fighting brothers and weak pastors. He is ashamed to be one of us, though he is he is unashamed to be one of us, though he is without sin, and we in no wise deserve him. He not only takes the punishment we deserve, but he suffers our abuse, our scratches and bites and constant complaints about missing the meat pots of Egypt. That is, the pagan festivities around us. And right here in the net, he speaks calmly to us, telling us to not be afraid, restoring us to his fellowship by grace, and gives us his body and blood as food for immortality and drink that cleanses sins. All of this is indicated with the separating of the net of the gospel. Peter was busy in his earthly calling. He was filling his vocation, earning a living to provide for the needs of his family. Jesus, speaking to Peter in the midst of his vocation, reminds us that God is present in all situations in life. Faith and the gospel have a place in both our public and private life. As we go about our earthly callings, our earthly work is a very important place which reveals our faith. Peter worked diligently, toiling all through the night, even when his work seemed to be done in vain. We don't get the sense that he lost patience. He had worked all night and got nothing. But he did not resolve to immediately give up his thankless and difficult vocation as a fisherman. He didn't throw down his equipment in disgust and decide to do something more rewarding. Instead, he was with his companions washing nets, preparing to continue to carry on his daily work. Is this where we see the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian? No. It is true that the Christian will not be idle, working diligently and persistently. He will not leave his chosen calling without a proper cause. He will recall and seek to live the words of the Holy Spirit. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Yet a non-Christian can also do these things. Even non-Christians can be diligent and steadfast in their work, perhaps for some even more so than, than, than a Christian. So how does daily work reveal that one is a Christian? We first notice from Peter that although he was very diligent in his work, as soon as Jesus began to preach, he left his nets and greedily listened to every word Jesus spoke. When the people pressed Jesus from every side, Peter let Jesus use his boat as a pulpit. When Jesus called Peter into the office of the ministry, he immediately left everything and followed him. This is where faith in the separation of the net of the gospel is found. The Christian does not make his earthly work the most important factor in life. The heavenly calling is placed over the earthly calling. He doesn't let the work and care of this temporal world keep him from caring for his soul. He would rather interrupt his earthly business than to go without nourishing his soul with the precious word of God. No matter how diligently a Christian works, there is time daily and weekly set aside for the hearing of God's word, for prayer and study of God's word, for reception of God's gifts. No matter how faithfully the Christian uses the working day for attending the calling of earthly duties, those first article gifts do not get the upper hand on Sunday. 
where God's word is preached and his sacraments administered, that is exactly where the Christian wants to be found. But there is still more of Peter. When he cast his net into the sea and took in such a number of fish the nets were breaking, he didn't praise his own skill of being a grand fisherman. He didn't praise his own diligence, wisdom, skill, or luck. At the abundant success in vocation, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Peter regarded the great success of his work as a blessing of Christ, which in no way he deserved. He didn't become proud. Instead, he was deeply humbled. The great success of his earthly vocation actually tore him away from the world and drove him closer to the Lord. This is another way the net of the gospel separates. A Christian does not believe that he can support himself through his own work, his own diligence, or his own wisdom. The Christian expects his daily bread to come from God's gracious hand alone. The Christian prays the fourth petition and knows God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. This is the difference of Christians and the reason why all Christians work. Even if they are not compelled to work by earthly circumstances of wealth, the Christian works for their neighbor. Even if they gain no honor before men or gain little pleasure from their toil or the work is hard or difficult, Christians still work. Their only reason is that this is God's arrangement, that God has commanded it. In his word, God says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Christians therefore say daily, Master, at your word I will let down the nets. That is, at your word I will go about my work. Whether it be as employer or employee, as parent or child, as spouse, as pastor or hearer, may your will be done and my neighbor served. The Christian is able to do this simply because they already have everything. With God's word and sacraments always before them, the Christian sees and remembers just how much they really have. They are free from sin and death. They're separated from the multitude of unbelievers through the net of the gospel. They've been hauled into the ark of the church where a table is spread before them in the midst of their enemies, sinful flesh, the world, death, and the devil. And their cup overflows with the grace and the mercy of God. Here we gather and hear from our Lord. I teach you how to shun and flee what harms your soul's salvation, your heart from every guile to free from sin and instemptation. I am the refuge of the soul and lead you to your heavenly goal. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing him LSB 688, Come, Follow Me, the Savior Spake.
Savior spake, all in my way abiding. Deny yourselves, the world forsake, obey my call and guiding. Whate'er betide, take my example for your guide. I am the light, I light the way, a godly life displaying. I bid you walk as in the day. I keep your feet from straying. I am the way and will I show how you must sojourn here below. <coughs> My heart abounds in lowliness. My soul with love is glowing, and gracious words my lips express, with meekness overflowing. My heart, my mind, my strength, my all, to God I yield, on Him I call. Teach you how to shun and flee What harms your soul's salvation Your heart from every guile to free From sin and its temptation I am the refuge of the soul and lead you to your heavenly goal. Then let us follow Christ our Lord, and take the cross appointed, and firmly clinging to his word, in suffering be undaunted for those who bear the battle strain, the crown of heavenly life obtain. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for seasonable weather, and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you, that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Christ has been raised from the dead, Alleluia, Alleluia. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Dying, Christ dies to sin once for all. Living, he lives to God. Count yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Amen. We sing hymn LSB 966, Before You, Lord, We Bow.
Before you, Lord, we bow, our God who reigns above and rules the world below, boundless in power and love. Our thanks we bring, in joy and praise our hearts we raise to you, our King. The nation you have blessed may well your love declare, from foes and fears at rest protected by your care. For this bright day, for this fair land, gifts of your hand, our thanks we pray. May every mountain height, each vale and forest green, shine in your words, pure light, and its root fruits be seen. May every and join to raise a grateful song. Earth, hear your Maker's voice, your great Redeemer own. Believe, obey, rejoice, and worship Him alone. Cast down your pride, sin deplore and bow before the crucified. And when in power he comes, oh may our native land, from all its rending tombs, send forth a glorious band, the countless throng. With joy to sing to heaven's high king salvation's song.